Jim Davis Show on the team. Nine o'clock. Thanks for hanging out with us, Jim and Kate, today from the Bozarth Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios, the most trusted name in automobiles, the Jim Davis Show, heard on the Western Slope, 101 1 FM, 1340 AM here in the Valley, 102.1 FM along Highway 50, and of course online. You can also get our mobile app at theteam1340.com. Predictions on NFL Divisional Weekend, which starts tomorrow at 2 o'clock here on the team with uh, Houston at Baltimore. So you can send in your predictions, quarterback with the most pressure on him. Text or call 970-242-1340. All right, uh, last hour we had Where in the World is Tyler Franson, and we have a winner, correct? Yes, we do. And now, ladies and gentlemen, the winner of the contest. It's another winner on the Team Sports Network. Congratulations to Scott for correctly answering Williams Arena in the University of Minnesota. Don't you know? Oh, don't you know? It gets cold up there. Yeah, I guess so then. All right. So congratulations to uh, Scott. And, uh, of course, uh, coming up Monday, I'll have a chance to play the number game to win a case of Coors Original with us on the program. All right, to the uh, Wildcat uh, Hall of Fame is February 2nd when the uh, Fruto Monument uh, 1982 State Championship Curls basketball team will be inducted. And uh, time to talk a little uh, Wildcat Hall of Fame with uh, former head coach Dallas Meyer. Talking Fruto Monument Wildcat Sports on the Jim Davis Show. And joining us right now on the team line, Dallas Meyer. Dallas, I appreciate the time. How are you, sir? I'm doing fine, thanks. Congratulations on on the honor of the entire 82 uh, Girls State Championship basketball team going into the Hall of Fame. Uh, 12 and 0 that season in in Southwestern League play. You went 17 and 1. The only loss uh, on the road was to Aurora Hinkley. Hinkley was number one in 4A. They won the 4A state championship. For the girls, won the 3A state championship, and it was the first 3A Girls State Championship for the Western Slope. Finished 22 and 1. Uh, just uh, certainly a, a team that is uh, Dallas deserved that those kind of accolades and deserves to be in the Wildcat Hall of Fame. Uh, just uh, an incredible group. We'll talk about some of those players in just a moment, but uh, just give me some of your recollections of that 82 squad in one state. Well, I don't know. It was quite a year, actually. Uh, we uh, started out real well, and we wanted to play some of the teams over in Denver, you know, just to see who who was the best in the state. And we we did play Hinkley, and it was a tough game. And we did end up losing to them by 10. And that was our loss for the year. And uh, they kind of went into a stall at the end of the game with their big girl just holding the ball above her head. So uh, we went down to Farmington. We played a game down there, and... I don't know. There were so many fouls called. We ended up, we did win the game, but we ended up playing. We only had three girls on the court. And uh, we went to Cortez and we got two, two of the girls on crutches. And the next night we went to uh, Durango and got another one on crutches. So we had Kathy Holfus and Penny Yonker and Wendy Caldwell all on crutches going into February. And they did get back, and we did get even Kathy back to play in the district tournament. So it was it was a real weird season, and a lot of weird things happened, but the girls came through. 
It just speaks to the depth because the three players you mentioned with Wendy Caldwell and Penny Yonker and Kathy Holtus, they were all starters for you, Dallas. And it really speaks to the, the depth that you had. Of course, it didn't hurt that you had Lisa Aldred, who was uh, one of the very best high school basketball players in the state during that period of time. It, she certainly helped to, to uh, carry the load for you. But uh, that uh, in your coaching career, that had to be a rarity. We had three starters out, uh, but still able to, uh, to not miss a beat. Yeah, it was it was really good. I mean, we worked worked real hard trying to get Kathy back for the district tournament, but we didn't want to play her too much or get her hurt in case we did get through the district tournament and make it to state. And but did a lot of ankle wrapping that year. <laughs> I imagine so. Yeah, a lot of a lot of uh, wrapping of ankles and and uh, making sure that uh, players are ready to go. Uh, coming off some injuries, we're talking with Dallas Meyer. He was the coach of the 1982 Fruit of Monument Girls State Championship basketball team. They went 22-1 and and beat uh, Cheyenne Mountain to win the 3A state championship. And so uh, one of the folks that will be going into the Hall of Fame as an individual this year is Lisa Aldred, who had uh, an average of 17.7 points per game. And um, Lisa and I went to high school together. We're in the same class. And uh, just a tremendous basketball player. She was also a fantastic volleyball player, which you were – the coach of the volleyball team as well, Dallas. And a lot of these players uh, were both volleyball players, basketball players. I would imagine that that made your job a little easier. You knew that you knew the how these players, their skill sets, their temperament uh, from coaching them in volleyball and basketball had to make for uh, for an, an easier transition for you coaching players that you already coached on the volleyball court. Yeah, I really did. I, I think it was just a, a really good close knit group of girls, and uh, they just worked hard. And I know, like a lot of people, do a lot of camps and this and that. But you know, during volleyball, we didn't talk basketball, and during basketball, we didn't talk volleyball. So we we focused on what we had to do. Well, in the state championship game, uh, when uh, the Wildcats beat Cheyenne Mountain 59-44, to Lisa Aldred was the high score. She had 25 points, 15 rebounds. Uh, she was also the, the co-most valuable player on the Denver Post All-Tournament team uh, with Wendy Caldwell, who averaged uh, just a little bit behind her at 17.3 points per basketball game. But uh, with, with Lisa and Wendy, you had two dynamic players. Obviously, Kathy Holfus was a, a, a tremendous player for you as well. She was in double digits at 12 points per game. Um, Penny Yonker was an uh, honorable mention player as well, uh, as far as the the district tournament goes. And so you just had you just had a lot of talent. But at that point in time, Lisa Aldred, she was like six two, if memory serves me correctly. Where there weren't that many girls basketball players, Dallas at that time that had that kind of size and also had her athleticism. Uh, yeah, the championship game actually against Cheyenne Mountain. Uh, they had five girls over 5'10", and uh, two six-foot players. Lisa was six, six-foot. And uh, But they were the – Cheyenne Mountain was the tallest team in the state at the tournament. But you had a but, player, though, and Lisa Aldred, though, who was a tall player, tall post player, but, but she was just a, a really athletic player. I mean, she was really good in the low post. Well – she was she was really good and uh everybody helped get the ball into her and this and that and you know i remember the state tournament the first night playing saint mary's and uh we played our regular game against them and we didn't know much about 
a lot of the other schools, but we played them and, and, you know, she had a tremendous night. And, uh, you know, I knew Pueblo Centennial was sitting in the crowd watching us and they were watching Lisa real hard. And, uh, that, that night after, after the St. Mary's game, uh, we kind of came up with a new offense and, uh, you know, the second game, that's when Kathy Holfus, I think she ended up with about 18 points or something a game. And Lisa didn't score that much. And, you know, we just we just ran Lisa to the high post a couple times to see how many were going to guard her. And they were double and triple teaming her. And, uh, you know, she worked on rebounds and stuff, but we didn't get the ball to her much that night. And then, you know, against Cheyenne Mountain, then we could go back to our regular game. Yeah, it was a two-point win against Pueblo Centennial. That was that was yeah. Kathy had Holfus uh, had eighteen points in that one. So yeah, they they definitely took away uh, Lisa Aldred from you. But but you know that night Kathy Holfus stepped up in a big way in that semifinal game. Well, yeah, everybody played the role. I mean, like I said, we came up with another offense because we figured they were going to double triple team her if they'd been watching, and that's exactly what they did. So. Oh. Uh, you know, she was she was an outstanding player, and and you know, I think she made a huge jump when she was younger. You know, starting off in JV and just working hard defensively as much as offensively. And uh, I mean, she could hustle both ends of the floor and really made a difference. We're talking with former Fruit of Monument girls basketball coach Dallas Meyer. Coached the uh, Wildcat girls in 1982 to a 22-1 record in the 3A state championship. And we've talked about Lisa Oliver, who will go in as an individual into the Hall of Fame for what she did on the court, uh, both basketball and volleyball. But uh, mentioned uh, Wendy Caldwell uh, because Wendy was the co-most valuable player along with, with Lisa Aldred at the state tournament for the 3A tournament. Uh, kind of take us through Wendy Caldwell because she had a, uh, and we're going to talk with her, I believe, coming up on Wednesday. She, uh, you know, I can't say she got she got overshadowed by Lisa Aldred, but uh, because she was certainly recognized by a lot of people for her talent. But uh, Wendy Caldwell certainly was every bit as uh, important a player uh, in your state championship run as Lisa Aldred uh, was in terms of what she brought to, to your uh, to your interior game. Yeah, Wendy, you know, she she was smaller and but quick and very, very good defensive player and a really good shooter and an excellent free throw shooter. She made uh, 10 out of 11 and tied the state record in a single game at the state tournament. She ended up with 18 out of 20 on the free throws. And uh, every one of those counts a lot. Uh, and she, she actually scored uh, 34 points, I think, against St. Mary's. And so she was, she was a fantastic player and an excellent shooter and great defensive player, very quick. We're done with Dallas Meyer, coached the Fruit of Monument girls uh, basketball team to the 1982 uh, state championship. Uh, the Fruit of 82 girls will go into the uh, Wildcat Hall of Fame coming up on February 2nd when uh, Fruit of Monument plays host to Central. Uh, you know, going back, to that period of time that's uh, it you know girls basketball has just grown and and has become obviously a a a tremendous sport the varsity level since it became a varsity sport back in the mid-70s dallas 
But that was really the emergence of of girls basketball here on the Western Slope. A later junction, you know, in Junction eighty four, would win a state championship uh, with with Max Kralichek. Uh, Fruta Mon would go with uh, with Dave Fox and, and and win a state title as well. But uh, then Montrose also with John Morale had a lot of uh, great success uh, uh, after that here on the Western Slope. But that was kind of the really the the start of uh, of girls basketball at the varsity level and the success here on the Western Slope uh, with those Fruta teams, of course, the eighty two team and the eighty three team that also went on to win state. Yeah, uh, you know, it was a lot of the same girls, too. And, you know, I know a lot of people, um, even some of the girls on the team after the 82 state championship and and losing the seniors, five of the seniors that year, uh, thought it was going to be next to impossible to be as competitive the following year. But everybody stepped up and... It turned out good too. Yeah, it was, it was that that team certainly uh, was uh, was a remarkable team as well. But that '82 team, just with the one loss, 22 and one to win the state championship, uh, will uh, of course uh, be honored coming up on February 2nd out at uh, Fruita Monroe High School. We're talking with former coach Dallas Meyer. Uh, you mentioned the three starters that were on crutches, you know, heading into February for you, Dallas, and the, the challenge of that. Any other? Any other memories that you have? Maybe going back to that win against Cheyenne Mountain, what, what are some of your recollections after you realized that you'd won the state championship? You know, I, I'm not... It was, it was kind of a blur, I guess, but it, I guess the night before, we, we had a team meeting, and I stayed up, and I, I watched a lot of film on them. In fact, I watched them play... Uh, a game, and I think I I watched the whole game three times until I was confident I figured out a way to beat them. And we had a team meeting that morning, and I, I told the girls, I said, this, this is very doable. We're, we'll beat them. All you got to do is here's the game plan. And uh, it, it, was, it was a little rough, and... Uh, it was tied, I think it was tied 33-33 at half, or going into the third quarter. And we called the timeout. I called the timeout, and I don't know, we had we had a real good <laughs> timeout. I, I'd probably never tell anybody but the girls on the team what was said in that timeout, but... Uh, they went back out, and we had 20 unanswered points. So it was it was it was a good game. Uh, a little verbal motivation from Coach Meyer at that moment. We'll just we'll just leave it at that. And they responded uh, with a big run, obviously coming out of that timeout. Uh, so Dallas, what are you what are you doing these days, sir? Um, just retired and enjoying life. Enjoying life. So so what are the some things that Dallas Meyer does, you hit the golf course when the weather permits. Do you do a little fishing? Is there any hobbies that you have that uh, you now that you you've been retired now for quite some time uh, that you're able to uh, to enjoy? You know, I, I used to ski quite a bit and work out and you know just do things like and travel. Uh, but the skiing days, I've kind of put that behind me after a few serious. Ski falls. 
So, um, I just, I, I, I like spending time with the kids and grandkids that I have still in the Valley. And, um, like I said, working out and traveling. Sure. Do, so, do you, how, how close do you still follow high school basketball here locally? I don't follow it super close. Uh, I pay attention, you know, to Fruita. Sure. I know the fruit, like the Fruita boys this year. I mean, they're doing fantastic. I've seen. Um, and I like to watch. I actually watch the University of Iowa girls team with Caitlin Clark. I like to follow her. Sure, that's heck of a player. So. Yeah, tremendous player, no doubt. Well, well, Dallas, I, I appreciate the time, and uh, congratulations to you and that 82 team for going into the Hall of Fame. And uh, we'll have that game, by the way, the girls' game with Central and the boys' game as well uh, with the Hall of Fame uh, inductions, uh, part of that coming up on February 2nd right here on the Team Sports Network. And in Dallas, I, I, you know, I uh, didn't get, obviously, uh, I don't think I had a class for you, with you when I was in high school. Uh, I think... Probably what you taught. I was I was not nearly bright enough to be in one of your classes, but I know that uh, you were you were a fantastic teacher and you were an incredible coach in both volleyball and basketball. And uh, once again, well deserved for you and the team uh, to go in to the Wildcat Hall of Fame. I appreciate the time. Well, I appreciate I appreciate uh, you taking the time as well. And like I said, each one of each one of those girls seem more like family than just players. Absolutely. Hey, Dallas, thank you so much, sir. You bet. All right, that's Dallas Meyer, former Fruita Monument girls basketball coach, uh, taking that 82 team uh, to the state championship. And then they did it the next year, 83, where Fruita Monument girls and uh, the boys team, uh, a member of that team, we uh, we both won state in the same year. So it was kind of a cool thing. Uh, wrestling, I believe, finished second in the state that year. They won the state championship the year before. So some Good period of time for uh, for Fruto Monument Athletics uh, uh, during uh, that uh, that stretch in the early '80s. All right, nine eighteen. Jim along with Cake today. Text or call us. Got some predictions on a divisional round tomorrow. Uh, starts at two o'clock here on the team with Houston and Baltimore. You can send that to us on the team line nine seven zero two four two thirteen forty. We'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll have a four down territory. Uh, we'll also have the state and sports history, and we'll have our picks as well. And so that'll be coming up next right here on the Jim Davis show on the team sports network. It's a good show. Probably the best show around the Jim Davis show on Colorado sports leader, the team. Right, welcome back Jim and cake today. And we'll be uh, the two of us all of next week. Cause Buckeye is off next week. Is the pile ready for that? I think so. They'll be fine. All right. They'll be fine. We just we just, we got to prepare them, you know. We got to. Right. So coming up Monday, we'll uh, we'll talk some of the high school coaches uh, in advance of our uh, full court coverage with uh, Fruit hosting Montrose, and then Grand Junction and Central. Uh, also Monday, we'll talk with Linda Cates, her husband Bob Cates, uh, also going to the Wildcat Hall of Fame, and unfortunately, uh, Bob, former Fruit Monument basketball coach, he was an assistant. Commissioner for Chassa, Bob is not in good health and not able to speak with us, but Linda Cates, his wife, is going to come on and, and uh, talk with us Monday about uh, Bob going into the uh, the Wildcat Hall of Fame. All right, 922. So should we just do, you want to do picks first, and then we'll do four-down territory, and then the Works state for sports me. history? Okay, so 
Petey's on his cruise. Because he's retired. Because he's retired. And so, because they didn't get his picks in, understandably so. And um, and so what we'll do is he'll take the record of whoever finishes the worst of the three of us, you cake, uh, myself, and, and Buckeye Boy. So We, we can probably assume he was going to pick his Ravens anyway. And we could but do yeah. that, yeah. We could, we could, yeah. But that, yeah, so whoever... Whoever amongst the rest of us finishes worst will get the uh, the same record as PD. So. Right. So how do we do last week? Good, not great. Uh, Rio did the best amongst us going four and two. Crap. The rest of us were three and three. All right. So he's got a lead, like what, a game or two on me? Uh, he currently has a one game lead on okay. you. Okay. So it's tight. It is tight. Now I am in the caboose. And uh, seven games back. Now, since we are doing playoffs, the number of games is shorter and shorter. So get ready for when we pick the big game, we're going to have some props. Lots of props, prop bets. Lots of props to maybe uh, level the playing field by the time we get to the end of the season here. All right, so Buckeye gets this. Conan, what is best in life? To crush your enemies? See them driven before you, and they hear the lamentation of the women. Good for him. Whoop de doo. Whoop de doo. It's time for our picks. Welcome to another edition of Thunderdome. Yeah. All right, here we go. Here we go. We start. And I don't know if these are in the order of them being played or not. Doesn't matter. Yeah, we'll okay. just, we'll okay. go through all the divisional games on the team starting at 2 o'clock tomorrow, 1230 on Sunday. Right here on the Team Sports Network, starting with the Texans and the Ravens. Bullmore, a nine and a half point home favorite. I don't think it'll be that much. Because I think C.J. Stroud is a much better quarterback than a lot of people probably gave him credit for at the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. That being said, I am taking the Ravens in this one. I like Lamar Jackson to get over the hump, so to speak, and get into the AFC Championship game. Rio is also taking the Ravens. And for just posterity, I'm going to just put that Petey picked That's the fine. Ravens because... He would have picked the Ravens. Yeah, that's a big number, but I like the Ravens at home in this one. All right, for the next divisional round, the Green Bay Packers and the San Francisco 49ers. Far versus young. I mean, um, love <laughs> versus pretty. Pretty love. Uh, Rave, or, uh, not Ravens. 49ers, they are also. Garoppolo versus Rodgers. There you go. <laughs> 49ers are also. A nine and a half point favorite in this game. Again, I don't think it'll be that distant between the two teams, but uh, as far as a pick'em is concerned, I like the 49ers in this one. Rio is also taking San Francisco. I'll go. Well, I'm going to go Niners. Okay. Yeah. You, you you hesitated there. It was no, I just I was just. Figuring how I want, I was I wanted to come up with a more colorful way of picking the Niners, but I I didn't have it. So that's it's all go. good, all good. Next, Dan Campbell and the fighting biting kneecappers hosting Baker Mayfield and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Detroit 
not quite a touchdown favorite. Six and a half point favorite last we checked, or when I first checked these to, you know, put this together. Uh, Lions at home, six and a half point favorite. Their first home divisional playoff game in many a year. I like the Lions in this one. Rio also likes the Detroit Lions in this one. I'm going to go with the Lions, but I don't know, man. I just, there's this part of me that wouldn't be stunned to see Baker Mayfield find a way to get it done at Ford Field, but I, I don't think it's going to happen. They, they did play earlier in the season. Lions won at Tampa Bay 20-6. to six. I'm going to go with the Lions. I think the Lions are a team of destiny this year. I think they go much further than a lot of people predicted. All right. Last but not least, in what will be Patrick Mahomes' first road playoff game, not including the two Super Bowl, or three Super Bowls that he's been to. Correct. Kansas City Chiefs at the Buffalo Bills. Buffalo at home, a two-and-a-half-point favorite. And this is where we see our first real major split because Rio is taking Patty Mahomes and the Chiefs. I like Josh Allen and the Bills at home in this one. First time it's been a Chiefs-Bills playoff game in Buffalo since 1993. Jim, let's Bills won that one. And then they proceeded to lose the Super Bowl, but... One of the four times they did. Yeah. Great documentary, The Four Falls of Buffalo. Oh, the 30 for 30? Yep. Fantastic documentary. Part of me doesn't want to discount Mahomes and the Chiefs in this one. I just think Buffalo's going to, they got it going right now. And I'm going to go with the Bills. I'm going to say Bills won it on Sunday. All right. So, really truly, what will decide Petey's record is that Bills Chiefs game because otherwise we're all in pretty much agreement okay. here. So, I uh, do have a text on the text line from an unnamed texter, anonymous Texans and Packers will win, boys. Detroit and Buffalo next. Okay, I think Texans Ravens could be closer because of Stroud. Not that Jordan Love, Jordan Love was great in Dallas. I just, I just, I just think. The Packers, the Packers are going to have a tough time slowing down that uh, very multiple offense, particularly the running game of, of San Francisco. But it's going to be tough. We'll see. We'll see what happens. And you're uh, going to hear all of it on the team. Starts 2 o'clock tomorrow with Houston at Baltimore. All right. It's uh, 929. Jim along with Cake. And uh, time right now for... Four Down Territory. We're into Four Down Territory on the Jim Davis Show on the team. All right. Start things out with first down. Bill O'Brien. <laughs> Bill O'Brien goes, bad things seem to happen. Now he totally blew things up as the Texans coach and GM. Things didn't exactly go great in New England this year with him as the offensive coordinator. Well, guess what? Gerard Mayo, new head coach going to have a different offensive coordinator because Bill O'Brien is leaving the Patriots. And where, pray tell, is he going? This is I not, already know. This I, is not going to make our buddy the Buckeye boy happy at all. He's going to become Ohio State's new offensive coordinator. Well, looky, looky. Here's what I, I, I want to see Ohio State, Colorado. Pat Shermer versus Bill O'Brien. 
But watch those two offenses dramatically underachieve under those two guys. But here's the deal. If Ohio State and Colorado are playing each other next year, it likely means that one or both of those teams got into a bowl game. Yeah. So is it really that underachieving? <laughs> yes, probably not. Probably yeah. not. All right, second down. Robert Griffin III does not like Jay Gruden. Oh, no, he does not. Washington. No, they don't like each other at all. And on Monday, when Eagles quarterback Jalen Hurts got pummeled, Jay Gruden shared a post on X where he commented on the lack of protection for, for the quarterback. Griffin responded, and then the two went at it on X. Griffin called out Gruden in a video the former quarterback posted on social media. Griffin was looking to reignite the beef and got a fresh blow in response. Uh, I guess this post has been deleted since then, but Gruden responded to Griffin, you weren't good enough. Oof. Kirk was better. Cleveland didn't want you. Baltimore didn't either. Quit blaming me. Ooh. Ooh. But you know Ouch. what? And then he and then he said, go race a pigeon. Because <laughs> a Robert Griffin likes to still show people how fast he is. <laughs> go race go a pigeon. Go race a pigeon. That's awesome. All right. I, you know what? I'm on RG3's side. I don't yeah, I, but but I'm, but Jay Gruden, he he gets the upper hand in the social media skirmish there though. Uh, maybe go race a pigeon. That's pretty funny. It's it is, but again, I'm on RG 3s side. Fourth, uh, third, and fourth down. University of Miami tight end Cam McCormick. He's back, baby. He is returning for his. You ready for this? Tenth year. Ninth. <laughs> ninth year? It is actually his ninth year oh, it's just ridiculous of college though. football. He is 25 years old. Oh. In the words of Tommy Boy, a lot of people go to college for nine years. <laughs> yeah, they're called doctors. <laughs> so there you go. Fourth oh, down. Thank you, David Spade. Thank you. Uh, fourth down, I actually had the uh, Bill O'Brien Ohio no, State one. But I've got a, uh, a backup. Uh, 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 an audible, if you will, on this fourth down from sports business writer, guyer uh, from X, Twitter, whatever you want to call it, Joe Pompliano, reporting that Amazon has acquired a minority stake in Diamond Sports Group, which basically Ooh. owns all of like the Bally right. sports networks. So that uh, regional sports network. They filed for bankruptcy last year. A lot of local media rights for 37 professional sports teams. That's in NBA, MLB, and NHL. Rockies in that group? Uh, no. Oh. No, but it's, uh, let's see. Here we go. So we got, so we got Bucks and Brewers, Pistons, Tigers, Red Wings. So like a lot of, you know, a lot of those teams, a lot of the Arizona teams. Customers, I guess, now can watch some of those games on Amazon Prime. Doesn't really solve the whole problem, but, you know, it's there. And again, it's part of the long, drawn-out conversation about, you know, we're streaming everything these days, and sports is now, uh, I guess, on that list of Things we're just going to have to pay for streaming on, I guess. Oh, it's, we'll see how this goes. We'll see if, if this goes anywhere further. 
Because it is, for now, just a minority stake. But. Yeah, it's not clear if Bally Sports is going to be on Amazon. It's been on Fubo previously. And then there was the Bally Sports app that you had to pay for. But I, I would think if you're Amazon, why would you why would you have this minority stake if you're not going to put games on, on Amazon? Right. But what's the point of that? It's It's content. It's additional reason to... To charge people and, and, and up the, the subscriptions to Amazon Prime. All right, 9.34, and uh, time right now for this day in sports history. That's the story of the greatest sport moment in all of history. It's time to take a trip back in time. It's this day in sports history. All right, 1937, Naples Joy, Tris Speaker, and Cy Young were elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame in the second year of voting, also 1972. Sandy Koufax of the L.A. Dodgers becomes the youngest player elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame at 36. Yogi Berra and Early Wynn are also elected on that day. 1974, UCLA's 88-game winning streak is snapped, and Notre Dame overcomes an 11-point deficit in the final three minutes and 32 seconds to win 71-70 with 29 seconds remaining. Dwight Clay's jump shot from the right corner gives the Irish the lead, and eventually they would go on to win. 2004, Colorado's Milan Hayduke scores on a penalty shot 59 seconds into overtime to give the Avalanche a 5-4 win over Tampa Bay. It's the third time an NHL game ended on a penalty shot in overtime. 2005, LeBron James becomes the youngest player, 20 years, 20 days, in NBA history to court a triple-double with 27 points, 11 rebounds, and 10 assists in Cleveland's 107-101 win, win over Portland. And uh, 2014, Peyton Manning passes for 400 yards and two touchdowns to lead the Broncos to a 26-16 win over New England and send the Broncos to their, in their their first trip to the Super Bowl in 15 years. Which we know would, would happen. Yeah. It's fine, though. Yeah. It's okay. It's, you know, it's fine. 2014, Russell Wilson throws a 35-yard touchdown pass in fourth down in Seattle's top-ranked defense forces two late turnovers lifting the Seahawks into their second Super Bowl, the 23-17 win over San Francisco, where they would play in New York. And, and the then, Broncos, because yeah. the ball got snapped over Peyton Manning's head in the first series, and Denver never recovered, and they could not stop Percy Arvin <sighs> on special teams. That, that Super Bowl among, still gives among me... Among other things. That that game still gives me a little... little PTSD uh, shivers. Yeah, makes gives me a gut ache, to be quite honest. All right, uh, 937. We'll take a break. We'll come back uh, some garbage time. You still have time to, to get your predictions in for a divisional weekend, which starts tomorrow here on the team at 2 o'clock. Uh, you can send those to us on the team line, 970-242-1340. Good morning, gentlemen. What are the haps? The Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader, the team. It's old Daft Punk, right? Uh, no, this oh, is uh, Oliver Cheatham. Get down Saturday I think, night. I think they doesn't doesn't Daft Punk though do a version of this song? Let me take a look. I, I can... Maybe maybe I'm incorrect in that. I thought I heard a version of this somewhere that was a Daft Punk version, but I could be wrong about that. Wouldn't be the first time. Anyway, they could have also sampled it because they're uh, they, very good. Very good samplers. Yeah. Anyway, so it's time to wrap up the program. We got some time here, so we're going to spend 
more time than normal rolling around in the big old dumpster for garbage time. We're taking out the trash. It's garbage time on the Jim Davis Show on the team. Oh, I love trash. All right, let's start out with a text from Butchie. Oh, Butchie. So, ready for back-against-the-wall version of Patty Mahomes to silence the haters and beat Flopper Allen and his billies. Flopper Allen. Flopper Allen. Okay. Butchie, good luck? Question mark? Maybe. Or maybe not. Or to your your Bills, to your Chiefs. Like, also, we certainly still, with with lots of thoughts and... uh, and uh, great memories of Buffalo, Mark. How could we not? Yeah, of course. How can I not cheer on the Bills coming up Sunday? And Flopper Allen. Flopper Allen. Love me some Flopper Allen. All right. Uh, so thank you, though, Butchie. Hope you enjoy the weekend. So let's get to the Broncos have some free agents. Are, are that are impending free agents, shall we say? These are guys that are going to be potentially walking out the door of Dove Valley. So this is from the Athletic, where the Broncos right now are projected at roughly thirty million over the cap, going over the cap. So uh, Denver could be in a position to cut ties with some guys. They're not going to spend big this offseason. George Payton's already said they're not going to be like they were last year with McGlinchey and Powers. Some of the first. One of the first teams to go out and get free agents. Right. So they have Michael Burton, who's 32, by the way. Michael Burton, who's played previously for for Sean Payton in New Orleans, was at Kansas City. And and so Michael Burton's a guy that is a favorite of Sean Payton. Was uh, recognized as a Pro Bowl alternate, named to the first team All-Pro by Pro Football Focus. He'll be 32. Played in a one-year, $1.3 million deal. So you would think that probably with that relationship, Michael Burton will probably be back with the Broncos in 2024. You have Lloyd Cushenberry III. Lloyd Cushenberry III. 26 years old, the center for the Broncos. Past four seasons, uh, you started at center for the Broncos each of the past four seasons, gave up one sack, 13 pressures, started all 17 games this year. It's been pretty durable. Did have the hip injury that cost him the second half of 2022. Is in line for a multi-year contract this offseason. Could they extend Cush? Could that happen? They also have Luke Wattenberg, who plays guard and center. Sixth-round pick in 2022. Alex Forsyth, seventh-round pick out of Oregon this last April and made the roster out of training camp, though he was inactive throughout the season. But the Broncos are pretty high on Forsyth's potential. Matter of fact, Sean Payton said last week he feels that Alex Forsyth is a starter in this league at center. So Denver could go a little younger and a whole lot cheaper. The Athletic seems to feel that Lloyd Cushenberry III will probably be snapping the football to somebody else in 2024. Cam Fleming, who had to step in for Mike McGlinchey in the Raiders game. Guys turned into... Bit of a Swiss Army knife, first little guy, can play both tackle spots. He's 32, and but they've also tried to, they're also developing a couple of tackles, and Demontre Jacobs and Alex Palachwiski, and they signed a future deals. They've got McGlinchey. Looks like Cam Fleming, who's at 32, according to 
at the athletic probably will not be a Bronco in 2024. Probably not. Jonathan Harris, defensive lineman, he's 28. He uh, played in all 17 games this season for the Broncos and um, was in a defensive uh, line rotation. He made the initial 53-man roster for the first time in his career in September. Depth guy. Feeling is that the Broncos will probably part company with him. Get to Josie Jewell. The outlaw Josie Jewell, 29. And Alex Singleton has made it quite clear. Of course, Broncos leading tackler, Alex Singleton, that he wants Josie Jewell back to pair together at that inside linebacker spot. And Singleton has been lobbying hard for the Broncos to resign Jewell. That's goal number one for me to get Jewell resigned, obviously. To have us back together can only get better with us playing together. Jewel signed a two-year, $11 million deal with the Broncos ahead of 2022. Played 29 of 34 games. Uh, 236 tackles, nine for loss, five and a half sacks, uh, four forced fumbles, five fumble recoveries. Could he stay? Broncos also could bring back Jonas Griffith. Remember, he missed all of 2023, and he is a restricted free agent. Also, they could say it's time for Drew Sanders to step in there with the Broncos drafted out of Arkansas, mm-hmm. the rookie. And so the, the feeling is from the athletic, Josie Jewell could be done in Denver. P.J. Locke at the safety spot, 27. And with the suspensions to Kareem Jackson, Locke got a chance to play a lot. They also have J.L. Skinner, who they drafted at Boise State last season. Uh, they, they still love Caden Stearns. Read a piece on Caden Stearns, how difficult this year was to, to lose another season due to injury. But the feeling is from the Athletic that P.J. Locke will probably stick around. He showed enough this season to, to stay in Denver. Will Lutz, kicker, do I even have? Yes, yeah. he's not going anywhere. Uh, Fabian Monroe, who started opposite um, Patrick Sertan II, 30 years old. Feeling is because of his age. They also have Riley Moss out of Iowa that uh, had had the injury initially. They like Moss. And so the feeling is he's going to maybe get that chance to be that corner opposite Patrick Sertan that Fabian Monroe's probably done. That may also be a position, though, defensive back corner that the Broncos might want to just look at in free agency and draft anyway. That's because that could be. You, you want to have options. They're pretty high on Riley Moss, but yeah, that, that wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility that they, they decide to address that position. And then finally, Mike Purcell, defensive lineman, 33, Colorado guy. Uh, 25 tackles this year was fewest since 2020. That's because he only played six games. Feeling is that he's probably done. Adam Troutman, tied in 27. Remember, the Sean Payton traded for him on draft weekend. Former Saint. And they never used him. And where do you, what do you think's gonna, they think hap, will happen with Adam Troutman? He gone. No, he's going to stay because he's Sean Payton's guy. Sean Payton traded for him. Why, though? They don't use, he doesn't use tight ends. Ask Greg, ask Greg Dulcich how often the tight end position gets used. But also in defense of Sean Payton on this, in, Ger- in Greg Dulcich's case, you got to be on the field. you got to be available. He's hurt all the time. He was hurt pretty much the majority of this season. Hard to be effective when you can't step on the field. So while, yes, they didn't, they needed somebody to make plays, they didn't have anybody to make plays. But the, the athletic feels like Troutman's consistency makes him appealing on a new deal. And we'll see what happens with Greg Dolchich. But once again, 
Greg Dolchich, big perm, has to he has to be healthy. And then K1 Williams, defensive back, 33, feeling is he's probably he's probably, gone. probably done. All right. So that's a little bit of a longer deep dive into Broncos uh, impending free agents, guys and, that might stay, guys that might go. And who knows? You know? And who knows? Uh, do you have something? Because I've got something if you're you don't. I got a couple things because okay. uh, we were trying to figure out if Daft Punk did a cover of Get Down Saturday Night or not. So it they didn't necessarily sample it, but they interpolated that song for their song Voyager. Okay, because I know it sounded really familiar. Yeah, it, it, it was kind of a similar vibe, and they they it, again, there's no. Concrete evidence to suggest that they outright like sampled it, but sure they might have a lot like it. Interpolated is the is the official word that they used. Okay, uh, Charles Barkley and I have something kind of sort of in common. Um, we were both duped into thinking that the beverage we thought we had was Diet Coke that turned out to be something else. Now his uh, was a prank on the set of Inside the NBA. Because he had this New Year's resolution that he was going to give up Diet Coke. It didn't really work out. And so he went back to his uh, his old ways. And the NBA, inside the NBA crew, decided they were going to have a little fun with him. And he goes to take a little sip in his mug of what he thinks is Diet Coke. And then he just looks and like, something's wrong. Something's wrong with this. Now, yesterday, for me... I pulled out of the uh, drive-through of a establishment that I won't name. Okay. And it was a brown liquid with ice that had all the aesthetics and, and looks of Diet Coke. But I went to take a sip, and, like, my straw was clogged. I was like, did it freeze? Did something happen? Is, and then I pulled the straw out, and it was, like, filled with chocolate syrup. What? And then I open the lid and it's, I'm like, it's like coffee? It's like, what the? They put chocolate syrup in your soda? Well, so I, what I think happened was someone must have ordered like a cold brew. Oh, okay. Or something. But like, I, but it like, it, it didn't even taste like coffee. It tasted like coffee adjacent water. With all Ugh. the chocolate syrup just Ugh. stuck in the straw. <laughs> I'm like, this is nasty. And when you're expecting it to be, you know, a light, bubbly Diet Coke and you it's get like... up soda. Yeah. Up you know, to be a pop, not, not, a, not a cold brew. Cold or, brew. And not that there's anything wrong with cold brews. just that that's not what I ordered. Yeah. And I couldn't drink it anyway because it was filled with chocolate syrup stuck uh. everywhere. So it was, yeah. So Charles Barkley and I both duped out of Diet Cokes this that's, week. That's unfortunate. I am more of a Coke Zero guy myself. Oh, I, I, I love Coke Zero Diet more. Coke's okay, but I'm more of a Coke Zero guy. This this particular place did not have Coke oh, Zero. Otherwise, that, I would have... Otherwise, I'm with you there. That's my, that, my go-to. That, sir, is... This whole thing is a travesty and a sham and a mockery. It's a travesty mockery. Absolutely, 100%. Bob Odenkirk. Absolutely. All right, uh, you had Central Florida taking on Texas in men's college basketball. Okay. And some of the Central Florida players did the horns down <laughs> gesture, which led to uh, Longhorns coach Rodney Terry 
confronting Central Florida players about oh. it. And Rodney Terry said about six or seven guys putting the horns down. We don't do that because when you do those things, those kind of things, it looks very classless. I love Joel Klatt and, of course, Colorado guy. How could oh, yeah. not, not love Joel Klatt, who's you know college football guy, not a college basketball guy, but college sports though. But um, <laughs> I love what Klatt said. He goes, basically, it's like stop being so thin-skinned. Being offended by horns down is soft. Why are people so eager to be offended these days? Don't pay attention to what others say about you. The only thing you have total control over is your own effort level. That's it. It's right about that. Now, see, and, and and this is where what what that Central Florida coach should have done is said, or, or sorry, not the Central Florida, the Texas coach should have gone. Terry, yeah. What Terry should have done is said, hey, those guys are doing horns down. Let's go on the court and show them there what horns have really mean. Turn that into motivation. Turn that into a coaching moment. Don't just be like, Wah, horns down. Wah, you hurt my feelings. Well, Shut up. Washington's Jalen McMillan did it in the semifinal game. <laughs> and then look what happened, Texas. I just... Okay, you, you're you proud of that. Okay, great. You're, you're proud of the horns thing. Whoopee. But there are going to be people because of your... your the somewhat arrogance that Texas has. <laughs> just the... Some of that about about the, the program or about the, the the institution. Or the state of Texas for that matter. That you're gonna have people that come after you on that. And so you're gonna you're gonna go you're gonna go after the Central Florida guys for doing that. They're flipping you the bird. Okay, I get that. Or you would be and I guess you feel like that's the same equivalent. It's horns not. down. Horns down. Good for Joel Klatt. It's like stop whining about it. Play better. Do better. Seriously. If you don't want other fans and teams to do that, don't lose. How about that? And that's our show for today. Thanks for joining us. Cake and I'll be back with you on Monday right here on the team sports network.